Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This is the John Oakley Show podcast. On a great day for talk radio, it's a Thursday edition, 25 away from the top of the hour in the news. After the news into hour three, Peter Kent is going to join us. Uh, he's the MP for Thornhill for the... Uh, Conservative Party, and he also sits on the Ethics Committee that was aborted yesterday by a dent of five liberals voting uh, in the majority. And so uh, they didn't have Mario Dion, the Ethics Commissioner, come and flush out what he had found in a 63-page report. But it seems like uh, this one may uh, still have some oxygen in it, and uh, we'll talk to him about that along with our panel. However, as a point of departure, let's uh, bring that up as uh, another interesting uh, Discussion and the take from Anthony Fury, who joins us on Thursdays at this time from Sun Papers. He's their national columnist. Anthony, good to have you back on. Hello, board. John Oakley. Always great to see you. On this matter of uh, the findings uh, of the ethics commissioner, Mario Dion, who said, at a, you, can, you can call me at a moment's notice. I'm good to go. I'm good to come and tell you everything I, you know, found out. And I, I work go. across the street, you know, just Pretty takes, much. A, t- takes a walk, takes <laughs> a jaunt. Yeah. I'm in your neighborhood. And uh, so nonetheless, he didn't get that opportunity because, as I say, five of the liberals, five to four on the committee voted it down, as they had back in the winter with the Justice Committee and so on and so forth. It's called a hat trick. That was the third one. Yeah, it was. And uh, so everything... It should be three strikes, you're out. It should be, wrong metaphor, should be baseball, but they're, they're, I don't no, they're still up there. They're still batting. Well, you know what? This is a, a question of whether or not, uh, well, we're all going to guess uh, that they're doing it at the behest of the PMO. They're just voting in lockstep, correct, sure. and shutting it down. Uh, you wrote that you see this as being liberal arrogance, or is it maybe smart politics? Well, it's a bit of both. I write it's liberal arrogance on autopilot because here's the thing. Back in March, they did the the first two committee cover-ups, the first two lab scam shutdowns where Jody Wilson-Raybould, she did that first testimony and we were all watching it live. And within the first eight seconds, our jaws dropped because she said some crazy stuff. And then that sort of changed the landscape. And then they wanted to get her back at the Justice Committee because she said, I got some more to say. And then they went, oh, no, we're not doing this again. Shut her down, boys. And then they did. And then the Ethics Committee turned around and said, okay, well, if the Justice Committee can't deal with this, let's get some some ethical solution here. And then they said, no, 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 shut her down. Now, in terms of smart politics, I sort of kind of get it because Jody Wilson-Raybould, she was still on their team then, but she looks like she's out to hurt Trudeau. So fine, shut her down. I mean, I don't think that was right. I want to hear from her, but I, but I get why the PMO was thinking that way. This time... I don't get it. I, I, It's on autopilot because they're going, well, anytime Labscam comes up, shut her down, shut her down. This is a very different situation. First of all, this is like the Robert Mueller thing where he got up there in the stand and he said, okay, well, I wrote this report. I, you know, if, if you have problems reading the report, I will help you, but I'm not going to freestyle and there's nothing more to add. And I guarantee you, Mario Dion, I mean, I don't know much about the guy. He's fairly new to the job. He would have said the same thing. So, what is there to shut down? It is bizarre. I mean, they'll get some clips that Andrew Shear can put on his Twitter of Mario Dion saying this and that and so forth for people who haven't read it. But there's not going to be any new scandal. So the fact that they shut down him, it boggles the mind. I mean, it just shows their default position is, eh, we can do whatever we want. So, bam, closing this. Well, is it possible that they can do whatever they want because uh, they feel 
immune from any kind of blowback or repercussions, uh, given that, and polls have suggested this, number one, uh, it hasn't really damaged the liberal brand or Justin Trudeau's standing. And uh, then there was another finding I read earlier today where uh, most Canadians aren't even aware of all of this going on. It's a sad testament to the folks who are not plugged in or civically right. engaged. I mean, really, uh, their best ally, I guess, is public apathy or ignorance, isn't it? Yeah, or just, you know, it's the summer. I mean, I remember when the Dion report actually first dropped, I was at a Jays game. So, you know, I'm a guy plugged into this uh, ad nauseum. So, yeah, a lot of people in the summer, the way you're kind of uh, scheduling your day and so forth, not so hot for this. But, but then to that point, just let this testimony happen. The other thing that really rubs me the wrong way is this is not a political actor. This is not the NDP and the Conservative saying, let's get some other politician or, or operative to come to committee and smack talk Trudeau. This is an officer of parliament, an independent, nonpartisan officer of parliament. This is equivalent to having a deputy minister come testify about a public policy issue, someone, a senior public servant and so forth, and, and a, an academic who has no sort of political leanings and so forth. I, I mean, that it's a guy in the government in this senior nonpartisan role, it kind of shows disdain for the whole system that they would do this, because these are the usual types of people who show up at committee. I mean, I, I think it was, it was kind of contemptuous. Well, yeah, that's the way you and I feel about it. But again, they figure, hey, we're just running interference for the PMO. We're good soldiers. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, and they're, they're doing their job and they've seen, they've seen those numbers and they feel like, well, you know, uh, we can do it. We can move ahead. And I, I think the challenge is there's so many details right now. I don't know if it's issue fatigue per se. It's just how do you make this relatable? I mean, there's this is a really long book now, really, you know, an extra season of that television series that you got to binge watching. I don't have the time for all this, to get up to speed on the facts. So I can appreciate a lot of that. And that's probably why the opposition wanted Dion there as well. So he could give them that clip that you can watch on your iPhone where he says Trudeau did X, Y, Z. Right. And then that hammers it home uh, a little bit more because, yeah, it's it's not actually catching on. So what does all of that mean? But you better believe it's going to be front and center during the election and during the big events and the debates and so forth. Really? And, you know, I'm almost uh, now perhaps uh, a little cynical about the whole process. If Canadians are not engaged and don't care about this stuff, uh, I'm not even sure it's going to make anybody's radar. That's me. I mean, I'm, I'm really feeling disconsolate that this kind of stuff doesn't resonate because I think it's fundamental to our democracy. We're talking about subverting the rule of law. But, you know, we sound like a bunch of uh, policy wonks right, here right. getting into the weeds, you know. The other thing is this Mark Norman case. I mean, they just cut him a huge check, non-disclosure agreement, away it goes. And uh, that, to me probably has as much, if not more, resonance in how they treat people if they think they're on the wrong side of the PMO. Well, well, they're very connected stories here. And the problem we have with Labscam and Mark Norman, in one case, it's alleged that the well, not alleged, I mean, it's pretty much agreed now with Labscam that the prime minister said, yeah, this this company, that's pretty liberal friendly. They've given us money and so forth. You know what? Ease off on them, boys. Ease off. This guy, this former head of the Navy, yeah, get the dogs on him. Whoa. A, where are your priorities? You know, who who do you think are the good guys here? And B, that's weaponization of the justice system. That's stuff that leaders in Eastern Europe and Latin America and so forth, they, they're on trial. They go to jail for this kind of stuff. Canada's not that country. Oh, wait, it just became that country. And to your point, we have some apathy about it. So that's that's the added layer of, of trouble there. Like, you know, watch out. There's a reason Canada's the country that people go to, not away from. You don't want to be any, you know, scintilla of an iota like those other places. And yet here we are. Yeah, you know, I'm fine, kind of fascinated in something else that you brought to our attention last week, uh, and it's a story that's gained some currency. Michael Chan, uh, the Liberal cabinet member here in the province, MPP, uh, 
and I, you know, I mean, he assumed some pretty high-profile positions. You had him at a pro-Beijing rally up in Markham uh, about a week and a half ago. And uh, what is happening in the diaspora when you say, you know, people coming from these benighted communist countries, totalitarian, repressive regimes, why they could be doing the bidding of these regimes while here in Canada has me bewildered, but you're going to shed some light on that and perhaps put it into perspective, including, you know, Michael Chan, again, uh, with his pro-Beijing activism. Let's talk about that next with Anthony Fury, Sun Paper's national columnist on The Oakley Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. All right, we're back with Anthony Fury. Just a heads up after the news at the top of the hour. Peter Kent, the Conservative MP for Thornhill, is going to join us to explain uh, how it all happened that the Ethics Committee wasn't really that ethical when it came to (laughs) how they aborted the mission yesterday. But uh, we'll get to that in our panel with topics worthy of discussion, one of which, Anthony, you've written about and you brought to our attention last week. Uh, I find that this is now becoming uh, more disconcerting, that there are pro-Beijing activists who have inserted themselves or in, insinuated themselves into, uh, I guess, well, within the diaspora, this competing uh, views of uh, what is appropriate for Hong Kong, and uh, including Michael Chan, the liberal MPP, or uh, back in the day, I guess, you know, he was a cabinet minister. So uh, what's going on? Yeah, really troubling stuff. And, you know, John, I, I've been writing about this a lot because I think this this broader issue is is the big question of, of our time right now. But on, on the macro level... Yes, so they're in week 11 now of protests in Hong Kong, and as that's been gaining steam, different communities around the world have been saying, we want to voice our support. You know, yay democracy is kind of what the people on the streets of Hong Kong are seeing. We're used to seeing that. For decades, you watch the evening news and you see there's people gathering in in various countries and still developing nations. They say, we want freedom, we want liberty, and they just, you see them, and then sometimes you see the government, unfortunately, you know, trying to tamp down them and crush them down and so forth. What you're not used to seeing is other citizens show up and say, no, screw you, we don't want democracy, go home. What we're not used to seeing, even more so, is that matchup happening in the streets of Toronto. Very bizarre stuff. So all the major cities in Canada uh, the last weekend, they had they had protests where there were people who were in support of Hong Kong, and not just Hong Kongers, but also uh, mainland Chinese who were you know, of mainland China origin who are now living in the GTA. They were attending these events, and then you had other people here some of them citizens, some of them foreign students who were showing up waving People's Republic of China flags saying, no way, not happening. Well, do you think they're bought and paid for? I think that's uh, certainly possible. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And so uh, this shows you, you know, the uh, tentacles of the communist Chinese dictatorship uh, and how it's, you know, inserted itself or insinuated itself into even, let's say, a debate within the diaspora, it's rearing its head here. And uh, why should we be concerned? Well, yeah, about the bond paid for, when when I believe it was Hu Jintao, who was one of the previous leaders uh, before Xi Jinping got in, in, I think 2008 or so, came up here uh, to Ottawa, actually, to, to do a visit, and they bust in a bunch of supporters from the GTA to go and, and show their support from They didn't want protesters to outnumber them, and that would have been the consulate and the embassy sort of putting all that together. I mean... Why this matters is I think right now Hong Kong is Hong Kong is the beachhead for for the good guys, you know, for all for the world heading in the right direction. Liberal democracy. And if you lose that, well you go, uh oh, does it start to push in the other direction? Because Xi Jinping, he's a smart guy, you read his writings, you listen to his speeches. I mean, you know, in translation, or you read the transcript and and he knows what he's doing, he knows what he's saying. He's saying human rights, free speech, this democracy, no, no, that's not what that's not what we're doing here. It's 
It's communism with Chinese characteristics. That, that's what we call it. And it's we're moving ahead with it. It's not that this is, oh, this nation that hasn't put much thought into it. And if only they show up at the UN and hear Justin Trudeau talk about feminism and so forth. Oh, the light bulb goes off. Thanks, JT. All right, we're on board with this. No, no. These are people who I think are are way more sure of themselves and certain of themselves than we are about our own values. And that's what you're up against. So if you can't stand up to that, and if you can't say no to that, if you can't ban Huawei when when everything tells you, uh, speaking of tentacles, like you've got the tentacles of the government uh, seemingly in a company like that, a lot of people uh, alleging that, you have a problem. you got to stand up to all that stuff. Right. Uh, as you say, Hong Kong is a bulwark against uh, totalitarian creep in the Far East. Uh, Anthony Fury with us from uh, Sun Papers, a national columnist who's uh, written a piece about Jugmeet Singh and uh, how he may be able to expose uh, Justin Trudeau's game. What did you mean by that? Well, so we've had Lavscam drop, and as you and I were saying before the break, the polls show it's not really pushing anyone in any direction. And by any direction, we mean we've got Sheer and Trudeau pretty much tied, dead heat, like 34% or whatnot, equal to two of them, no matter what happens. And I say this is kind of, I posit, the Dark Knight thesis of Canadian politics. So one of these guys is the Joker, who just wants chaos, and the other one (laughs) is Batman, and he's saving the world. And depending on what your politics are, there are people, you see them out there, they they think Justin Trudeau's the maniacal joker and other people think Andrew Scheer, maniacal joker. He's going to do all this war on women and they're pulling all this stuff. I mean, I think it's irrational, but they're pulling it out of a hat. That's how they see him. That's not going to change. What is going to change is when we have the debates, Jagmeet Singh, who we haven't heard of much before. He hasn't been doing much. He's not on the national stage. When he gets up there on the stage, he's the wild card. He's the one who can change all of this. Maybe he won't. I don't know. Cause he's underperforming. But I think the thing he will do, maybe he will say, I just, I've seen some tweets, he's talking about Andrew Scheer and gay marriage, and he's really attacking Scheer here. So maybe he's only going to go after Scheer, I don't know. But Justin Trudeau, you've got this straight white male of privilege who gets up and, and presents himself as the only defender in that thin line between, you know, women's rights, and LGBT rights, and protecting minorities, and stopping Islamophobia from sleep, sweeping the nation and so forth. Jagmeet Singh, you've got the first leader of a federal party of... Uh, of uh, being a visible minority and so forth, is he going to tolerate Justin Trudeau saying that, that I'm the great white knight, I'm the, I'm the white savior here, or is he going to start laughing at Trudeau? Is he going to call him out on it? Is he going to say, give me a break, buddy. That's not you. You don't own that. I got a piece of that. And if he does, I think that'll be very powerful, John. It, it'll be to Justin Trudeau's detriment and Andrew Scheer's benefit, which is what a lot of liberal people are, are afraid of, but he's the guy to do it. It's interesting. We'll see if, uh, you know, minority communities actually... Uh go that way, or that's uh, the way they vote, uh, you know, with interest, uh, again, for uh, identity politics, I suppose. But you did say something intriguing, and that has to do with, you know, him going after Shear. Now, this is Jugmeet going after Shear. I see where Ralph Goodale also tweeted something about Andrew Shear uh, should get uh, involved in the Pride Parade, I guess, in Ottawa. What did he say? To be a leader of all Canadians, a Conservative Party leader should now end his lifelong boycott of Pride events and explain whether he would still deny same-sex couples the right to marry, as he said in Parliament back in 2005. And I was wondering if marching in a pride parade is a legitimate values test that confirms the suitability of a candidate for public office. That's what they're trying to do, position Shear in that regard. Yeah, and good old shopping around this video from 2005 of Andrew Shear giving a speech on why he's against gay marriage. And it's, you know, it's, it's not a good argument immaterial. It doesn't make him look uh, in a positive light. Look, I've always supported gay marriage. This was back in 2005. But here's the thing. There's a lot of people who were MPs back then, who did not. And I don't mean a lot of conservatives. Yes, a lot of conservatives, a lot of liberals, and I believe a couple NDP 
he maybe it was like a whip vote and then they they were unclear about it. But there are people in all parties who were not crazy about this. This is 15 years ago. Other people, 2008, three years later, Barack Obama campaigned against gay marriage here. So it's kind of interesting uh, to to really say, Jagmeet Singh is tweeting, Andrew Shear's disgusting prejudice against LGBT people and families is very painful for many Canadians. Jagmeet, it's a 15-year-old clip. I mean, come on, give me a break already. But, you know, to your original question, I mean, some pride event, yeah, I think you should because it clearly matters to a lot of people and what's the big deal. So I, I think Shear should make some minimal appearance or I think on Ottawa they do the, the flag-raising ceremony. Sure. I, I think he should do something like I thought with with uh, Doug. Doug Ford yeah. and, and Rob Ford. I think Rob did eventually did go to those flag raising ceremonies. Well, eventually. Doug went up to the one in uh, Richmond Hill, right? Yeah. So there you go. I and mean, Andrew Shear could probably find something to overlap with his schedule to do the same. The summer has passed us, so I think he missed out this year. But, you know, what's the big deal? All right. Well, you know, to me, it just signaled that the liberals are happy to change the channel, deflect or, you, uh, you know, get the narrative going in a different direction. And a compliant media will take that ball and run with it all too happily, which, by the way, leads me to my last question. You know, uh, for the federal leaders debate on October 7th, they've uh, announced the the people who will be questioning the leaders. Uh, it's a contingent of five female journalists, mm-hmm. three of whom are uh, at least three of whom are on the record for being <laughs> having positioned themselves as the lav scam thing. Not much to see here, folks. Let's move on. Uh, I found that to be kind of a slanted perspective that might just be uh, maybe simpatico with the liberals. And therefore, it leads me to question the objectivity of some of these people. Am I wrong to or am I blowing this out of proportion? Yeah, you know, a couple of them have written more opinion columny stuff. And, and I think it's OK if an opinion columnist does some sort of middle stuff in a debate, but not being the actual moderator. So I'm not crazy about that. Uh, a couple of those five ladies uh, are just you know, straight up anchors. So I think that's okay. I think it's fine. Like Steve Pakin should not have a lock on doing this stuff until he dies. So it's okay to, to, to switch stuff up there. Uh, yeah, you know, I'd, I'd get some of the opinion people out there. I, Susan Delacourt is one of my, one of my favorite non post media columnists out there. I think she's a great columnist, but she's a columnist. I don't know if she should be a debate moderator. All right. Anthony Fury from Sun Papers, a national columnist. Always a pleasure, Anthony. You, you have sir. a good week. We'll talk next Thursday. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.